Hi, I'm Angela, and I'm the editor for this podcast. Kim, Panya, and Lucy will be taking a short break for this summer and will resume in the coming fall. For now, please enjoy one of our past episodes. Welcome to This Academic Life, episode 56. If you're interested in being a sponsor, then please contact us at sponsor at thisacademiclife.org. Hi, my name is Kim Michelle Lewis. I'm a professor of physics and associate dean of research. Hi, my name is Pani Anuel. I'm a professor of mechanical engineering. Hi, my name is Lucy Zhang. I am also a professor of mechanical engineering. For many of us, the academic year has just ended. So today we're going to talk about how to land an offer from an industry when you hold the highest academic degree, a PhD. Let's start with some numbers. So I dug out some numbers for the most recent year on the number of PhD graduates. In 2020, engineering has the highest number of PhD graduates, a little over 10,000, followed by biological and biomedical sciences. That's a little over 8,000. The third highest PhD producer is in the area of physical and earth sciences, which is about 6,000 PhDs. Adding them all together, graduates in the science and engineering fields, that would include social sciences, education, mathematics, and economics, and et cetera. The U.S. universities produced about 34,000 STEM PhDs. So among the many PhD graduates this year, my own PhD student, Narendra, had successfully defended his thesis in March. Shortly after that, he landed a fantastic offer from the industry. So without stealing his thunder, let's hear from him about his adventure and experiences in this process. Hi, Narendra. Welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be part of the podcast. Great. So let's get started. Can you tell us very briefly your background? What do you do for research? And how much this job that you're getting or you're about to start match your PhD research? So just a brief background about myself. So I'm an international student. I am originally from India. And I got my bachelor's and master's in mechanical engineering in India. And shortly after that, I started working for a U.S.-based company as a product development engineer. I worked there for two years and I learned a lot of things, but I realized that I wanted to do something else for my like long-term career plans. I was interested in doing code development and studying computational mechanics, which is what I did for my master's thesis. So I came across Dr. Zhang's research and I thought it was interesting. So that's how I ended up as a graduate student at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. So our group, we develop software and we develop algorithm for simulation of fluid structure interaction. And we have an open source software. So if I have to summarize my particular research, so uh, what I did was to expand the capabilities of our software by coupling it with different third-party softwares. Coming back to your third question, did my job match my job description match my PhD research? So I don't think it's it's very rare that your job description will match your PhD research 100%. But for my case, 
the my employer they were looking for someone who has experience with C++ who has experience with software development and who also has a background in numerical methods so i would say it was a pretty good match with my resume but it's not going to be like a 100% match or a very close match to your research research so it's important to highlight your skills and experience which are relevant to the job description when you applied for the PhD program for graduate school, can you tell us what your aspirations were? And can you also tell us if your initial thought was to pursue an industrial job? Yeah, sure. So like I said, I had some experience with code development during my master's thesis, and I really enjoyed that experience. So I wanted to pursue something similar. So first thought of when I applied for PhD, my first intention was to get expertise and deep knowledge in computational mechanics. And I would say, yes, from the beginning, I was more inclined towards industry job. I was interested in like a researcher position in the industry. I, particularly, I was interested in uh, software development and, and I thought like a PhD would open doors to these like advanced career opportunities. Thank you. So what resources did you use to look for an industry position? I think the most useful resources would be the online job portals like LinkedIn, Indeed, Glassdoor. These are the three portals that I use mainly. And I think it's really important to do networking for which I think LinkedIn is like the fantastic resource. I, everybody, I'm, I'm pretty sure you also use LinkedIn for the networking. Because, yeah, if you get a referral for a company, then the chances of your resume getting picked up are much higher than you just apply on the company website. So I would say, yeah, LinkedIn would be the top, top number one. Other than that, I think in the university career fair was also a good resource in uh, making for making contacts. I was wondering if you mentioned that the campus career first. Uh, so did you make any connections through those? And also, did you attend any conferences? Because many conferences, large conferences, they have an expo and there are many industries that they participate. Can you comment on that as well? Sure. Yeah, I made some contacts during university career fair. Uh, I got some contacts for the potential employers. But before I could contact them, I had the offer that I'm, I have currently accepted. But yeah, I would say it was a really uh, important resource. And then coming back to your second question. Okay, so I have attended conferences in the past. But yeah, I, it was before, few years before uh, I had, I was planning to graduate. So I wasn't looking for job opportunities at that time. Yeah, I think the timelines uh, for industry and academic positions might not necessarily line up with those conferences. So sometimes industries yeah. uh, don't always go to those academic conferences to recruit. And speaking of the timeline, can you walk through your job search in terms of when did you start and how long did it really take you to start putting your resume together? And then how did that overlap? Did it overlap at all with your thesis writing? Yeah, sure. So it did overlap with my thesis writing and preparing for defense. So I'm not sure if you're aware, but for international students, we have a limited time to find a job. 
So I would say, so we have to first apply for a, for an employment authorization document. So that basically gives us permission to work in the United States. And we have to choose a start date for our job. And after that start date, we only have uh, 90 days to find a job. So we can be on, unemployed only for 90 days. So uh, as an international students, we have to start early or start preparing early. So I would say I started applying seriously in the beginning of this year, so in January. And then my defense was in March. So there was like a few weeks of gap when I was really busy with preparing for my defense and submitting my thesis. So and I would I, I got a job offer in mid-April. So I would say it took me two and a half months uh, to get the job offer. But before, prior to that, I had already started preparing for the job interviews. So I was mostly aiming for software developer positions. And most of these jobs will require like a live coding session or like a coding test. So last year, I would say in October or November, I started brushing up my coding skills and working on my resume. So yeah, the, I would say the entire process took about like, let's say, preparation and applying maybe like four to five months. And I feel like maybe I should have started earlier. So like as an international student, you should start early, like start preparing early. Can you describe for us what the interview process was like? For example, was it different rounds, different levels? What was the intensity like? Did you feel like it was really competitive? And were they mostly on Zoom or did you go in person? I know I asked a ton of questions, but I just want to yeah, know yeah. how it was. I know we were in COVID for almost two years and what that experience was like to get back into engaging people on that level. Yeah, absolutely. So I think mo most of the companies are, have now switched to virtual interview processes. Very few companies will ask you to visit them in person. Most of the things are virtual. And uh, I, I was interviewed for a couple of companies. And for each company, it, you will ha have at least two to three rounds. So first, it will start with a screening round that will be mostly on phone or it can be on zoom but for me it was like just a phone round and that wasn't very intense technical questioning it was like a high level overview of my experience and for that round i would say just it's important to convince the recruiter that you have the relevant skills or experiences required for the job then for the next round it will be technical rounds so for me i had i would say three to four technical rounds which also involved two of them were like live coding session and for two of the companies that i was interviewed they also asked me to do a presentation so which i've heard from my friends also which is very common these days that they will ask you to do a presentation like half an hour or 45 minutes presentation about your research to the entire team and there'll be like a like an open question and answer round before you go to like one-on-one -on -one technical interviews so that was my process and you might have to undergo like an hr interview round which is just like regular behavioral questions so i would say in total 
three to four rounds at least that's like the standard right that's what i heard from my friends and that's what i i also had to do for this job position and also can you comment on how long the whole thing it took overall and then how long did it take you to get an offer from the last round it depends on the company so for one of the companies that i applied it took only two days to get the get an invitation for the screening round after I applied on their online portal. But for another company, it took about a month. So I applied on their website and they reached out to me after like a month. So it again depends on the company. So the, the offer that I have right now, I would say it took around a month to go through all this interview process. So like like I said, at least four to five interviews. It took around a month and after I cleared the last round, then it just took one week to get the offer. So after I cleared the last round, the, the only process remaining was to do background checks and contacting your references. Yeah, I was going to say because I was being interviewed as well <laughs> for his position. <laughs> yeah, It was intense. They're really quite serious. I remember the there was a a form with what 10 15 questions that i was asked to evaluate narendra they asked how he is and everything they really go very much in depth with those questions not only that they also say is there anything we can help him to kind of uh, speed up the or ramp up the boarding process in terms of what is his strength and what is the weakness and what is the best way we can work with him. Yeah, I was asked to give three to five references and they said we highly, highly recommend that one of the references should be your research advisor because you've been working with uh, like each other with like for five, four to five years. So yeah, that was important. So are you planning to take a break in between your successful completion of your PhD and your new job, or will you just go right into it? I don't know if the 90 day window, how the 90 day window works. I don't know if you have to start your job at the 90 day mark, or once you sign an offer, then the 90 days go away. Like what, what are your thoughts? And What's your, your wish? <laughs> so I, like I said, I have to apply for uh, work authorization mm -hmm. and I have to pick the start date. So mm -hmm. my program ends this week officially, like the 20th May is my program end date. And I gave the start date as uh, 20th June. So like one month from the program end date. So mm -hmm. yeah, so I thought it would be nice to have a break. And Actually, when I applied, I didn't, when I applied for the work authorization, at that time, I didn't have a job offer. So it's always prudent thing to have a start date slightly later than your program in day so that you will get more time to find a job because my, that 90 day clock starts after the uh, 20th June. So that's my start date. Yeah. Even if I want to join before that, I can't because like I said, that that's what I gave in my work authorization. So yeah, I would. I would get like a one month break before I start my job. Congratulations again. Thank you so much. Well, I hope that you are planning to enjoy the whole full month. So do you have any key lessons from your job hunting and throughout the whole process that you learned that you would like to share with our audience? 
Yeah, sure. Let me just say that I don't have a lot of experience with like this uh, job finding process. I would say I got job offer pretty quickly, but I am definitely happy to share my experience and whatever lessons I learned. So first of all, I would say it's really important to tailor your resume for each job application. You shouldn't just use the exact same resume for every company. So go through the job description, make sure that you are highlighting the relevant uh, skills and experiences. So you have to do that every time you apply for a new job. Second one is networking. I like I realized that it's it's so important to do the networking. Okay, because the chances of your resume getting picked up increase a lot if someone from someone from the company refers to you. So it's really important to do networking. And one thing I found useful on LinkedIn was if you go to a particular company's page, it will show you if there are current employees in the company that went to the same school or that or you share some previous workspace so you that can be your like a starting point for networking in that particular company so that i thought was really useful and third one is to start preparing early especially if you're an international student so that's that's i would say like my top three lessons learned from this process fantastic Thank you so much, Narendra, for sharing with us your experience and your entire job search process. And congratulations again. This is a very happy news, not just for him, also for me. Yeah. <laughs> I envy him and all this uh, really, really nice place. I hope someday we'll visit. And in fact, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we might collaborate because yeah. that's what your manager said. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and thanks a lot, Professor Zhang, for everything and giving me the reference. And I just want to say I really, uh, I regularly follow the podcast and I think it's very interesting and insightful. And I think it's useful for all the STEM professionals, not just for someone who's in academia. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for being our fan and now <laughs> making it to our show. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. You can follow us on Facebook and listen to our latest episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or Google Podcasts. If you're interested in being a sponsor, then please contact us at sponsor at thisacademiclife.org. Join us next time for the good, the bad, and the ugly of this academic life.